This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Okay, so they put this out because, what, they're in a partnership with uh, Texas A&M? Well, they're big. They're not like, you know, a thousand-acre ranch. This is tens of thousands of acres, if not uh-huh. hundreds of thousands of acres. They're huge. So they're in the elite club, as George Carlin would say. Oh, okay. So rather than them putting a 10-page document together called King Ranch yeah, Institute says shove it to the carbon words, credit they're, people. They're bought and paid for or bribed or whatever. They're, they're, right. So they're basically the they're putting this together to scare the crap out of all the small, the last of the small ranchers so that they'll just cave and sell their ranch to the King Ranch because otherwise they'd be publishing a document and using their reach to say, screw this, we're not participating, trying to stop exactly. us. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Wow, it's pretty amazing, man. All right, so let's now, go. Now we've got we up got uh, a bunch of charts. It's just a bunch of charts from uh, three organizations. I'll, I'll, as you pull them up, I'll just start explaining to people. So, all right. Well, well, here. Do you want to just? Plug? Oh, yeah, 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 really yeah. Good. Let's let's talk about the Planet of the Humans documentary. I didn't know on time. If, if you want to quit and stop here and pick up another day, or we keep going, you, you tell me. You're the you're the guest. All right. Well, let's keep going. We probably only have another half hour, forty five minutes at most. So let's just okay. keep going. Yeah, let's finish it. Second. Let's finish this one up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Planet of the Humans documentary. Um, this one was really really interesting, and I and I'd love to know what you took out of it. But so for the folks at home not watching but listening. If you haven't seen the documentary, it's basically well, several environmentalists going around and trying to get to the bottom of, is this green energy going to save the planet? Because they have some doubts because they know that, you know, all the metals that go into making a solar panel or a wind turbine are mined. They're strip mined and it's not good. You're like plowing forests down and tearing up the earth. So they have these questions. So they go make this documentary <laughs> and there, you can see, literally watch their eyes open as the documentary goes on and they start shaking their head and they realize this is not only not going to work, but it's complete crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a scheme. They, they, they come around to that conclusion. 
not me, not you, them, the environmentalists, right? That's what I loved about it. Yeah, no, I, I took the same thing from that as well. And it's like I watched the two documentaries back to back and I was working. So I was kind of listening to some and going back and forth. But yeah, that's what I ended up taking out of that one uh, as well. I mean, there was some really interesting stuff in there. And if I uh, were folks and you're really into this, I would go watch it. It's Planet of the Humans. I think that was available on uh, YouTube as well, right? Yeah. 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 And- so there were a couple of really cool data points in there. Like the one time that one environment says like, Hey, you know, solar panels are silica, right? You'd think that's made from sand. And he's like, no, 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 no. Sand's too impure. They make it with two giant lumps of coal. Yes. 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 That was amazing. <laughs> yep. And, well, then, like- and then where they had, they had the uh, press conference from the Duke energy, which is on the East coast. They had the press conference and the guy's out there from Duke energy. And he's like, yeah, we're decommissioning this coal fired power plant behind me. And then the people making the documentary turn the camera 45 degrees and look down the street and they go, well, they're not telling you about those two giant natural gas power plants. They're building right there. Yeah. Well, there well, the other thing too, I can't remember if it was out of this documentary uh, or the other one, uh, but there was like a kind of a running narrative that was mixed in there where the scientists that were st- sort of supporting the industrial boom and saying it doesn't have a big effect on the planet were then talking about sort of the radical leftist movement, which was to basically erase all technology and all machinery and all industrial might and basically bring us back to the Stone Ages. You know, and I just, all that stuff fascinates me because this all comes into sort of philosophy. Uh, Like when you pose the question, technology versus humanity, you know, can the two coexist in harmony or will eventually technocracy or technology destroy humanity? But I just find it great to see that there's scientists even asking these kind of questions, you know, and and then you've got... That shard of stuff made from natural gas as as you're talking about that, so people can see. Oil and natural gas make like 60,000 products. So, yeah, if we get rid of it, we're going back to the Stone Age. Uh, let you me can't just see. make a steel beam with, with solar. Is that this no, first no, one here? One. No, it's the one that I uh, – no, it's, 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 uh, it wasn't even on the list. Oh, was it the last one or the one that we inserted? No, nah, don't worry about it. We'll, 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 put, we'll post it after the show. But there's a list, one of these charts where it shows like, I don't know, a couple of hundred things of, that's made from just natural gas. You know, you can't make fertilizer. You can't make steel beams. You can't, you can't make concrete without coal. So where yeah. are we? Yeah, that one. Yep. So, yeah, we're going to go back to the Stone Age if we get rid of fossil fuels. And, and look, the whole time we're going through all this science and data, you don't have to be an expert. Here's what I figured out. The reason we use oil for certain things, natural gas for certain things, nuclear for other things, is all down to energy density. It's physics. Physics has not changed at all. Right. So, no, I know, but that's but see, that's what I'm saying. I think it's great to actually uh, hear these guys talk about this because... To me, that's 
when you get into this kind of stuff and you're trying to figure out, all right, I can't just be against stuff. I have to be for something as well. And so to listen to those guys kind of talk about it, war game it, think about it, I just found it to be fascinating because it'll make you, I think, the viewers start to think about these things as well. So you can either go back to the Stone Ages, like you just said, or we have full-blown technocracy, or we figure out how to have something in the middle. Now, someone like Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, would argue that eventually you're going to end up in the system that we're in and moving into because technology will continue to advance and then eventually grow exponentially and then it will destroy humanity. But the argument that I would make against that school of thought is it's not technology that continues to advance. Technology doesn't advance unless the scientists, the engineers, the technologists, the programmers, the software guys make it advance. And that's the point I've made a lot of times about Elon Musk, that if he was really for humanity, Instead of building artificial intelligence and brain chips and then going on Joe Rogan's show and telling people that AI is dangerous, it's going to surpass humanity, and the solution is we just need to merge with it, and I will be in charge of the governing body that oversees the merger, and this way we'll all survive. So wait a second, you already told us AI is so dangerous that it's going to destroy all humanity, but somehow it's going to merge with you? Isn't it going to be smarter than you and then tell you, Elon Musk, you're out of here? Or if you're so smart, it's going to look at you as the first threat and tell you to get out of here? And so it's it's this thing is that these evil scientists and engineers and business guys are the ones behind it, pushing it in the direction where it becomes a danger to humanity. And I think that's the same thing as you're debating it's the you know, same the thing. Industrial. Yeah, be- because they pushed Think about the consumerism that they've been pushing since the 50s, right? Back before the 50s, people made stuff Amish style, right? Furniture was passed down to two, three generations because it never broke. You didn't have to go on a credit card. Look at all the single-use plastic shit we use every single day. Straws, water bottles, Coke bottles, now uh, utensils, you know, wrappings over food products. If they really wanted to save the planet, we don't have to go build wind turbines. We need to cut out all the single-use plastic that we use every day. Yes, 100%. I mean, that is brilliant. Now, we know like the Koch brothers make a lot of the petroleum-based products, but no – that's 100% true. If you went back, if you got rid of all these things, you don't have to recycle them. You just get rid of all this nonsense that Stop we don't it. need to be using. Yeah. Stop making it. Right. Don't buy We're, plastic stuff. And look, I you know, I want to save the planet. You want to save the planet. It's not a right left thing. It's not an ideology thing. It's 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 just a human thing. Well, there's there are ways to save the planet that doesn't benefit the elites. If we get rid of the consumerism that has benefited them so much, well, that doesn't help their bank account, right? It doesn't, it doesn't help their control. So they don't want that. So we just have to shift to something else that they've already put all their money in, invested in ahead of time to make them more money and get more control. That's what they want. Yes. No, I 100% agree with that. I mean, that that's why it's great Like when you're watching these documentaries because it makes you think about all – like with me, it's always like – I see the dots, how it connects to everything else, and it makes me think about new things. Uh, and you start to see the scam even bigger than it actually, I mean, even bigger than you recognize it for. You go, whoa, holy crap. And to see some of the scientists actually going on that journey, I think was fantastic. Yeah, All right. it was a great documentary. 
So now you now want the, to start going through these the hard charts? data, the fun charts. Yeah. So these charts, folks, while Dustin pulls them up, the first set of charts comes from the Geology Survey of Finland. <laughs> it's a good thing you don't pull up the full report because it's like a thousand pages. <laughs> uh, this is the one I talked about on, on Mike's show, Hotwire. Excuse me. It's got a lot of charts and it's really about, you know, we're going to go through a lot of the stuff on electric vehicles and all the metals that goes into them. So the chart on the page is the assessment to phase out fossil fuels, okay, by 2030. And it's got where we were in terms of EV stock, which is the millions of vehicles in 2019. It's, it's a dot. It, well, it's a bar graph, but it's so thin, you have no idea. It's like really, really small. I'd say it's about 5 to 10 million EV vehicles worldwide in 2019. By 2030, if they had their way, we would be at 250 million electric vehicles. So we're going to go from like 5 to 10 to 250 in seven years. Wow. Now, and then, and then they have, now wait, what is, okay, so what's the third bar there? That's also 2030? Oh, sustainable. So they are different policies, right? So the stated policy scenario is what government said they were going to do. And the sustainable development scenario is what the UN wants you to do. Oh, okay. So they're saying that the stated policy was to get to like 140 million. The right. development scenario is they want to be at 250 million. Now, do you know how many cars are currently on the road worldwide? Uh, I don't. Wow, that'd be it's interesting to know. Yeah, <laughs> we can look it up real quick. That that's a lot. But basically, what the paint the picture here? We're supposed to go from like five million EV cars to two hundred and fifty million EV cars in seven years. Okay, keep that in mind because we know what the components of the batteries are: lithium, cobalt, etc. Right? Seven years. We got to go. Uh, we got to figure out how to make all these cars. Okay. Okay, so in the, I just looked it up. Just It's interesting to know this kind of stuff. So in the world, there's estimated uh, almost 1.5 billion cars, uh, supposedly. How, how many EVs do we have? Five million? <laughs> how many, let me see, how many EV cars? It's like how many five million. It's EV not cars much. We have it on a world? chart later on. Oh, we do. Okay, well, let's wait and get to that then. All right, yeah. so this next one. Okay. So if we do that, if what this chart is saying, it's, it's laying out electricity demand by mode, mode meaning 2019, what the governments have said they were going to do and what the UN says they, they want everybody to do. So by mode, by charger, uh, and by country, and then the oil that's going to be displaced. Okay, and that's the key number here, right? So we go and we make, we somehow magically make these 250 million EV cars in seven years, it's going to displace four and a half million barrels of oil per day. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know how many barrels of oil per day there are now in the world? Uh, it's what like a hundred million barrels. Yeah. So if we, if we somehow magically make all these EV cars, it's only going to reduce oil consumption by four to 5%. That's it. Wow. That's really good. All right, let's look at this uh, next one here. I love this chart. <laughs> so this is the number of average power plants 
to deliver a thousand terawatts per year. Okay, and they've got we've got the different types of power plants, and I'm not going to name them all because people can uh, can download this later. But this is key. So deliver to every power plant that's going to deliver a thousand terawatts a year, or every type of power plant. How many of those plants do you need to to get that much electricity? Nuclear power plants, you need 78. Okay, not that many. Coal power plants, 142. Natural gas power plants, 450. Solar PV arrays, 30,266. Wow. Now, this is uh, worldwide? Worldwide. Worldwide. Okay. Wow. So to generate the same amount of electricity, we can either build 78 nuclear power plants or 30,266 solar PV arrays. Wow. This is a pretty remarkable. This, this came out of the... This is from the Finland Geographic Survey? Yeah, Geol Geologia Survey of Finland. Okay. And, I mean, this is technical because that's what they are. They're scientists, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> next, next slide. Number of average-sized power plants to annually deliver the same energy content as the annual global demand of oil in 2018. So 2018 global oil demand, how many power plants by type do you need to generate that same amount of power? Nuclear, 1,059. 1, oh, you got it. Coal, 1928. Solar PV array, 410,254. So, wait, so number of, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's number of power plants. How are those uh, solar panels made again? Two lumps of coal. Where's all the where's all the land going to come from to have four hundred ten thousand solar PV arrays? Now wait, how what it was so a solar PV array is? Do you know like how how big of an area is that? Do we know? I I don't. I'm sure some scientists can tell you, but I I don't know. Oh it's a sure. Lot of land. It's a Let lot me see. A solar PV array size. And solar panel dimensions. Oh no, this is just dimensions. Uh, how do you size a PV array? Oh wow, yeah. There's a whole formula. <laughs> they make it impossible to yeah. figure out. So yeah, you need. So that is you would need four hundred and ten thousand two hundred and fifty four solar PV arrays in order to cut what the oil consumption to zero is. That it could produce the same amount of energy that oil currently does. Is that what it's saying? Yeah, to produce the same amount of power uh, that global oil demand generates now. Okay. It's crazy. It's just not happening. All right. Now right, we've got. Slide. Okay. This is also the Geology Survey of Finland. The renewable energy power stations are not as productive as fossil fuel power stations. This goes right back to what I just said a few minutes ago about energy content and physics, okay? The annual power produced by one power plant, the average of that sector in 2018, okay? So, a nuclear, the average nuclear power plant generates, and I can't read that number, that's the top gray bar on the left chart. Oh, the top gray bar, I think that's something around 12,000. So the average nuclear power plant produces 12,000 
uh, terawatt hours. Okay, that's what the TWH is in the bottom. The average coal plant's like 7,600. And the average PV array is 0. 0.033. Wow, renewable energy power stations are not as productive as fossil fuel power stations. It's energy content. It's, it's physics. They, they don't generate the energy that nuclear does or coal or not gas. They just don't. Okay, so now if people are looking for this, uh, let me just pull this up real quick because you had provided this. This those came out of uh, these reports, right? The the final summary and the uh, uh, not, yeah, we're, we're going to go over the final summary and the conclusion. But there was a thousand page document. I just uh, took those three pages and for the summaries uh, out of the thousand page document. Okay. So do you want to? Uh, should we talk, should we talk about this now? Yeah, real quick, and then we'll go into the uh, the the rest is just graphs. It's so the, it'll be simple. We can go through them quick. Yeah, so let's go through okay. the summary and, and conclusion real quick. I think we need to read them, the highlighted parts. So this is the summary. You'll have to read it. I can't. I can't see it. Okay, so this is uh, from the Geological Survey of Finland, twenty twenty one. It says a fundamental conclusion is that replacing the existing fossil fuel powered system oil, gas, and coal, using renewable technologies such as solar panels or wind turbines will not be possible for the global human population in just a few decades. There is just not the time nor resources to do this. What may well happen is a significant reduction of societal demand of all resources of all kinds. This implies a very different social contract and a very different system of governance to what is in place today. What does that sound like? Well, no, that's actually really good. So what they're admitting it to is. is that they're not going to be able to replace oil, gas, and coal with all of this green energy stuff. Uh, the only way they can do it is by driving you into 400-square-foot prison pod, locking you in there <laughs> under a COVID lockdown, and taking away your ability to drive, to drive around a scooter or anything else that you want to do, because they're going to reduce your personal carbon footprint. And as they admit to, Bingo. that would involve a different sort of social contract, meaning that your government is going to have to tell you that you are now a prisoner, a slave to the state, and you're going to stay in your cube or you'll be executed or whatever happens i mean this is basically the idea behind uh technocracy incorporated as well it is and so now you go back to covid like nothing they do has a singular purpose nothing everything has dual multiple triple four or five time you know uh, purposes locking the economy down started the indoctrination process for we're using too many resources we have to shut everything down yeah and i think uh, a couple of hours ago we opened up with that one document and it was the piece that you did not have highlighted and i said let me read this real quick because we heard this yeah. come out through the propaganda and that's exactly what that was based on where it said uh the first couple months of covid land uh, we used less yeah. uh, admitted less co2 because we locked everyone down and threatened to kill them if they came out of their house yep <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah. plus we plus they don't mention that they created a global supply chain shortage of everything that they produce in their factories that creates emission of co2 <laughs> so that was the other part of it all right, right this one 
says uh we're in the same document folks it says energy sources such as solar wind or water are all technically renewable to harvest energy from these sources requires wind turbines solar panels and water turbines to store the energy so it can be used in transport applications require batteries each of these units require manufacture sourced from non-renewable finite mineral resources each of these units has a working life of approximately 10 to 20 years with the possible exception of hydro after which they need to be decommissioned and replaced with new units this means the non-fossil fuel systems are not really renewable at all but are in fact better described as replaceable and that comes from uh, Hagen's 2021. That's the geology survey of Finland. I guess that's the person that worked on the document. And if you go on their website, it's all about energy transition and all this, you know, UN shit. And here they are telling you this is not renewable. It's replaceable. No, that's that's actually really brilliant there. So they're admitting to the fact that the batteries needed to actually store the energy that they're producing from solar, wind, or water need to be replaced yeah uh, then they're and also not the telling one, you about how much energy is emitted battery? by when they have to make the batteries <laughs> how or, much or, co2 right, dig all the dig all the crap out of the ground to make the batteries did they did you see that one uh person put on twitter on the how much their e- hybrid car it wasn't even a full e- ev car it was a hybrid how much the battery cost to, to replace? Oh, they wanted like 30 grand or something like that right yeah yeah so pe- yeah. people that didn't see it there was a chevy volt had 70,000 miles on it. Chevy Volt, you look up a new Chevy Volt, it's about 30 grand to, to 30, 35 grand for a new one. Okay, excuse me. Well, to replace the battery at 70,000 miles, it was costing $30,000. <laughs> well, it's replaceable. <laughs> and it's replaceable way sooner than your combustible engine is replaceable. Yeah. So you actually that- have to replace it twice in the same length of time that you own a combustible engine or three times. I mean, trucks, you know, like pickup trucks, they a good one will last 300,000 miles. That's four well, times these Chevy Volts. Well, let me just bring this up while we're talking about this quick, because I've heard, uh, I haven't done a ton of research into this myself, but I know a guy here, he owns about 12 acres. He's like a former scientist, worked at Fort Detrick, and um, he's got a solar panel, and he was raving about it and stuff. My mother and her husband, my stepfather, who's an engineer, he was looking into it. And so their conclusion down in Texas was that it wasn't going to be worth the cost because he had said at the end of the day, it's not really storing any energy. So if the power goes out down here in Texas, they started looking after the uh, all the windmills froze and they shut everybody's power off. And he said, so the one, the system we were looking at, that's the only like feasible one. If the power goes off, I don't have a stored big battery backup the way this thing works that I have like my own power stored. He's like, all it's doing, we're selling it supposedly back into the grid like carbon credits. And then we're getting our electricity from the grid. Now, if we produce more from the solar panel, than we take out that month. I basically make a little bit of money, like a hundred bucks or something. And then that gets stored up and I end up every couple months, I might get free electricity, but I'm not actually storing anything. Now, this guy here, this scientist who's all raving about it. Oh, no, no, no. And I asked him, well, are you storing it? And he goes, well, I do have this battery thing. I said, well, let's say the power goes out. How many days do you have? Like he said, 
oh, about two. <laughs> I'm like, so it's nothing. You're just running a freaking uh, solar panel for the electric company. But if the power grid goes down, you don't get electricity after two days. What's the point of it? It's like the guy's driving a Tesla with a uh, diesel generator in the back to power up the battery. <laughs> right. Like, what is the what is the point of this thing? It's crazy. It's uh, all. I'm, look, I felt like I was uh, out on an island for so long reading all this stuff. Going, I can't be the only one seeing this nonsense. It's just complete nonsense. No, it's a big Wait, giant scam. <laughs> it's just like again, it, the it, next charts. It's amazing, though, how they roll it out. I mean, that's the part that I look at the, I hate these people, but I look at the brilliance of them. I mean, they are, man, they control it all. But when you have the money and you control the media, you can make anything happen. Uh, So this one is from, this is from the same document, right? But this is the conclusion, right? Okay, so first it says, taking first the case for replacing all fossil fuel-based vehicles with electric vehicle technology, EVT. California. Yeah, it was believed that in 2019, around 7.2 million EVs were in use. However, the global fleet of vehicles at the time was estimated to be 1.416 billion vehicles. Okay, cool. We just looked that up. Suggesting that only 0.51% of the global fleet was currently electric and that 99.49% of the global fleet is yet to be replaced. Turning next to the global energy system, data from 2018 estimates that 84.7% was dependent on fossil fuels, whereas renewables, solar, wind, geothermal, and biofuels accounted for only 4.05% of global energy generation, and nuclear, uh, nuclear power accounted for 10.1%. Yeah, so this is another trick, you know, this, uh, there's a book called, uh, like, How to Lie with Statistics. So when they lump energy of solar, wind, and uh, you know, geothermal and biofuels geothermal. together, yeah, yeah, and biofuels, when you actually break those pieces out, biofuels is bigger than all of them. Wind and solar are like a, a blip. <laughs> so they make it seem bigger than it really is. It's not. It's so small. 